0: Well, I'm back, and where do I begin? It's been some time, so I've got to say thanks for those that are tuning into to another episode of Interviews with Chris. I had some people message me saying, hey, what's going on? Or, hey, can't wait for the next one. And well, now it's time. Time is extremely valuable, and to think you're spending it with me is something I'm super grateful for. Some personal real-life stuff happened to me at the beginning of this year, and I had to just step back for a little. Was it a loss of drive? A loss of determination? No, not really. It was just recalibrating, and I can't beat myself up over that. So I really appreciate y'all still hanging around and checking up on me, but let's get back to our regularly scheduled programming and talk about this episode. It's why you're tuning in, and I've got Ben Varelin of Helms A. Lee, our Conan, Constant Lovers, and obviously many people know him for his incredible amps that he builds, and he's also got an awesome bar called Bar House in Seattle, which we'll be talking about. This is episode number 13. Good old number 13. I definitely had some bad luck in this one, but it turned out to be an absolute gem. Ben is just a great individual, so I'm glad I was able to chat with him. He's a true electrical wizard whether he's using a soldering iron building amps or wielding his guitar axe while playing with Helmsley. When I said bad luck right now, I mentioned it a bit in the episode, but the first interview I conducted with Ben had some technical difficulties as usually arise with technology. I was totally crushed when it happened. But in this digital age, some unexplainable stuff happens. And while it truly was awful, I was able to speak with Ben again. Had to roll with the punches and get another one in, which I'm truly grateful for. For reference, this recording occurred on Sunday, January 10th, 2021. We talk football. We nerd out over Amps, how his business, Varela and Amps, got started and all the ups and downs that he's had to go through with it. We talk about sailboats and other nautical terminologies and so much more. I had an absolute blast. I'm really happy that I was able to capture a talk with him. I really couldn't have picked a better person to interview and to give me a second chance after technology decided that our first conversation wasn't meant to be. A little bit later in the interview... I do accidentally mix up two brothers whose bands I really enjoy, so apologies in advance if either of you listen in or if the fans do. Please forgive me. But hey, here's my talk with Ben. Enjoy. Hey, Ben, what's going on? Hi. How you doing? Uh, I'm pissed off about football um,
1: and computers, (laughs) to be honest.
0: (laughs) Hey, I hear you there because I have to say a big thank you for coming back on the show. Listeners are probably wondering why I'm even saying that. But the reason is that we had a magical moment that was not captured. I mean, it was still captured in my mind and heart, but that doesn't do anything for the listeners. Uh, I was crushed, but you're here right now, and all I know is that I'm not going to fake the magic and try to get you some regurgitated answer. so we're going to mix <laughs> it up here, but I'm, I'm glad you're here with me.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're giving it another shot.
0: Yes, and another thing is if something goes wrong, not even if probably listeners aren't even going to be able to hear this, maybe it'll be some funny commentary, but... I will probably retire entirely from the realm of podcasting because I may not have a computer or any sort of technological Mm -hmm. device after this, because we, um, I think we share a disdain and hatred for computers right now.
1: It's an empty promise is is all it is. You know, it's a, the promise of (laughs) convenience and really it's just compounding, uh, frustration and, uh, yeah, it's it's not what it's meant to be. It's not what it's it's not what it's set out to be.
0: <laughs> it's kinda of funny because it kinda of ties into the whole tube amps and non digital mm-hmm. and we'll we'll kinda of get into that a little bit later. You're talking about football and I was gonna say you're probably having a rough weekend as far as football goes.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I I need to... Uh, you know, if I wanna to continue to be a fan of football, I might have to move to a different city or something or <laughs> I
0: don't know. I, will, I mean I You know, it's kind of funny because I know we had kind of bounced back and forth with our scheduling on doing this again. I have to, again, thank you so much for even wanting to participate with a a bonehead like myself again. But um, yeah, I was actually going to ask like, hey, the schedule Saturday Seahawks are playing and they're first in their division. And now I kind of had to rephrase it saying, oh, uh, they lost. I'm (laughs) sorry.
1: They did not lose. They abysmally got squashed by a super uh, injury um, handicapped team uh, and a division rival and in the most embarrassing fashion. It's just so terrible. And, you know, it's kind of weird because, you know, this week has been so insane and such a depressing, um, you know, real-life shit, like, the, you know, the country falling apart and so many people revealing themselves to be – terrible and um and for some reason the football loss is somehow did emo- that no it's it's it, it dwarfs it it's like a well it's, yeah it's, it's huge I, I guess emotionally I was to say.
0: yeah i guess that's what i was trying to say is that just everything together is just pff, i don't know no, just but that's, crazy. That's, football's that's nothing a, you know yeah what
1: i'm what i'm telling you is that I didn't feel that much when all that shit happened. I was just like, Oh, that's crazy. But then when my team lost yesterday, it's like so potent and so tangible, the frustration and, and feeling of loss and just like, what the fuck? And like, I think it's because it's a safe place to put those kinds of emotions that doesn't really matter. But, um, this morning I was like, why am I so fucking wound up pissed off about that? The, you know, stupid football doesn't matter compared to, you know, the world going up in flames right now.
0: Oh, definitely. I, it's kind of funny because I obviously have a random question segment and I asked, Hey, what, what are you looking for towards 2021? And we were talking about puppies and some bright things, <laughs> and, you know, saying, Hey, 2021, you know, hopefully it's going to look better. And, uh, yeah, because the first it, attempt
1: it, at this was back last year. It was like two weeks was. ago, three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. So we, you know, we're talking football. Yeah, this is going to be great, and going to work on some re- New Year's resolutions. Even though, hey, I guess that is all kind of a, you know, a <laughs> game inside the mind. Because I always try to improve myself daily or whatever. But it's just like, hey, you talked about maybe getting a puppy or, you know, trying it's to do yeah. certain things. Yeah, and and it's like, huh. What's going on right now with this year?
1: <laughs> yeah, so. I mean, it, hopefully it's some kind of tipping point, and you know, things things that are brought to light, and that's painful and stupid. But it hopefully it forces people to look some shit in the eye and deal with it instead of just kind of sweep things under the rug. And you know, there's 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 a, I think there's a positive light to look at all that. But the Seahawks, however, there's no positive light. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck's gonna happen. No.
0: There is a positive light. I remember I told you at the beginning of the year, I went jogging with my Seahawk beanie, and I felt great <laughs> about life, and you're like, that's awesome. So I think that's, like, the only good thing that maybe happened with the Seahawks for
1: this year. It's true. I can't think of anything good. No, I mean, so, maybe... Jesus. Go ahead. I don't know. I, I just... I This is a total, like, you know, taking it off a ledge thing, but I just... You know russell wilson is a fantastic athlete and i think he's like he's always been the like you know he's not very cool and people don't really you know like him he's not very to me he's not very likable but he's incredible at the game but he was so terrible it's just like for the first time ever i kind of find myself thinking like do we need to draft a new quarterback do we need to find a new guy like that
0: well, you've got I'm, that beast wide receiver. It's kind of funny because I don't really keep yeah. up with football too much. But Metcalf, yeah. whenever I, yeah. I see him pop up on social media, I'm like, geez, this guy would like trample me, steamroll me if like he I was like, I mean, any football player would if they hit me in an open field. But wh- yeah, when I see him, freak. I'm like, wow, this is he is. Uh, I don't know. It's like seeing LeBron or something on on the field. I don't yeah,
1: know. he's, he's a freak for sure. Uh, but Jalen Ramsey from the Rams definitely beat him up, you know, and shut him down. He had nothing to do with that game yesterday. I mean, maybe a, a garbage time touchdown, maybe he had a couple touchdowns, but, uh, I don't know. It was just so disheartening. And it's, it's funny because I can, especially in the realm of, you know, music and subculture, it's like, you know, like we, we probably talked about this last time we tried, but just, jocks and all that shit is typically something that we always kind of poo-poo and like you know we don't we (laughs) don't we don't get along with those guys in high school or whatever but like the Seahawks have always been this like badass like source of like oh they're they're weirdos they're kind of like you know especially going back to the 2013 team they were like such a band of misfits that it seemed like they didn't you know it wasn't like watching your high school football team it was like watching some weirdos That beat up all the guys from the high school football team, but
0: yeah, we we talked about that kind of like the punk realm and maybe playing a dilapidated crust punk house show, but like, oh, I'm wearing like a Phoenix Suns hat. Yeah, I'm at a I'm at a goth show and I'm not wearing all black, even though I typically do. But I'm just like, oh, hmm, like this is interesting. I'll take inspiration
1: wherever I can get it. Yeah
0: yeah yeah exactly so but football we're definitely I'm definitely gonna ask some questions later on maybe not Seahawks specifically because I'm definitely gonna (laughs) mix some things up here it's I always end up with sports of some sort like I always talk basketball loves basketball hopefully the the supersonics end up at some point in Seattle again I don't know if it'll be like the Gary Payton sean kemp days but yeah hey maybe someday they'll go back up there i might sneak some questions in there but hey what <laughs> bands want to know about we're going to talk music whether it's building amps or the bands that you've played in um you know right now what's sitting on your bench any sort of interesting amps or anything in particular you want to discuss
1: um on the amp side of things there's there's a couple of uh i mean i've just been kind of knocking out typical stuff, a couple meat smoke amps, um, nice and s- stuff like that. But there's actually a really exciting project. Um, a really dear old friend, uh, Ryan Patterson, who, uh,
0: uh, young widows.
1: He, yeah. Well, actually Evan Patterson is in young widows, but his older brother, Ryan Patterson, uh, he used to play with Evan in bands, national acrobat. Um, and then they did a uh, black cross and then, um ryan went off to do um coliseum while i was well there evan yeah. went and did young widows and now ryan does a thing called photo crime and um anyway like these guys i've known them forever we toured together when we, i was still a teenager and
0: uh and harkonnen and right
1: harkonnen and uh a national harkonnen and national acrobat did a tour together yeah way back in the day and then later bands would tour together, you know, he, like those guys would do another band and I'd be doing another band and we'd tour together, or do split recordings with one another, split seven inches and that kind of thing. And, um, but, uh, always stay in touch. And, uh, in fact, I woke up on their couch in Louisville on tour when nine 11 was happening. And it was Ryan who was shaking me going, wake up, we're under attack. And he turned on the TV and we watched, you know, twin towers go down and all that stuff. So I've known those guys for a long time. And, uh, it's cool because Ryan has kind of undergone this sort of transformation and now he's doing this photo crime band and it's this, he's got this whole, um,
0: I'm going to have to this, check it out.
1: It's just trippy. Yeah. It's really cool. It's kind of this sort of, um, new wave kind of, um, I don't know, I guess maybe call post-bump kind of thing, but, uh, it's, it's, it's trippy and, huh, and,
0: uh, I'm guessing there's some synths in there if you're saying new wave.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's synths and, um, drum machines sometimes and, um, and just trippy, uh, kind of medium gain guitar. And he does this kind of sing, speak kind of thing. It's, I guess it's kind of hard to describe, but he's real creative, like his brother. And, um, and he hit it with this idea about doing a, a box that would be a sort of dual spring reverb tank kind of thing with some overdrive functionality to kind of make some bizarre reverb things happen. And, uh, so that should be a fun one. That'll be challenging and, and, and kind of weird. So that's probably the most exciting thing on the on the horizon.
0: That's Amp's awesome. Lives. Well, I can't wait to see. I'm sure you'll probably post it up. And I can't wait to check out his new band because it's news to me. So I'm yeah, definitely ch- looking forward to it. Your interest in playing music and gear is, what I'm guessing obviously sparked your interest in learning about amp building. But when did that true passion truly unfold. I know that our previous conversation talked about your education, getting that bachelor's in electrical engineering and obviously have played in bands for a very long time, Harkonnen and f- f- a multitude of bands. But what um what kind of just kickstarted that?
1: Um the amp side of that, you mean? For sure. Uh I think it was just uh so when I graduated from high school I kind of took to tagging along with my older brothers band botch and um
0: you and did then, lighting at some point right
1: yeah i was hiding behind the guitar amps with power strips <laughs> and playing the playing the lights between three power strips and a uh, and like you know helping roadie and whatnot and so after doing that for a year and being like i'm just gonna like you know just be on tour be that guy full time and i got you know a shitty factory job downtown tacoma and and after about a year of that i I showed up to work one day at this factory i was working at and the guy working at my part of the conveyor belt he got his arm stuck in the roller pins when he was trying to wipe them down and broke his arm in seven places and they were mopping up a pool of blood where he was you know where he'd been carried off um like 20 minutes earlier and I—that that I, is um, quite a visual yeah it was it was terrible and i was just like what the fuck am i doing i'm, I'm gonna go to school i'm gonna go learn some shit so then that's kind of when I got on that track. And then when I went to school, it was like, well, what do I want to learn? And it was like, I want to know how that fuzz pedal sounds so cool. And so that was sort of what sent me down an eight year path of all that stuff. And, you know, and I found a couple professors, like I told you, one specifically that helped me into the the tube amp world and- um,
0: Yeah, cracked uh, open that realm because it was one that other professors I mean, I obviously wasn't in your shoes at that point, but like, why would you want to learn about tube amps? You know, that is in the past, you know? Yeah.
1: I emailed every professor in the department at University of Washington and uh, most of them didn't even respond. A couple wrote back saying, why would you learn tubes? You know, they're inefficient, they're expensive, they're fragile. And now we have these pieces of sand that, you know, weigh nothing, take up no space, cost nothing and can do the same job in theory. But um, there was one guy, uh, Professor Otis at the department who was super interested in tubes and he kind of took me under his wing and got me started on some projects. And I did some papers for him that he got published and and then he ended up investing in the business. So that was probably what really sent that whole thing into reality.
0: No, I love hearing about that and Like you had mentioned before, it was quite a ride. I mean, just even from the inception of Varel and Amps, you were on tour, you're in bands, you are still in school, a wide variety of things. I got to ask here, and not to discourage any sort of students out there, but did you enjoy going to school?
1: I loved it. I loved it so much. And it was crazy because by the time I actually got to university, yeah. It was it was kind of weird because I I lived off campus in a house like a punk house I guess you'd say with a bunch of other weirdos and, um,
0: but you were and, the only one calculating the value of capacitors and yeah <laughs> like
1: that. yeah yeah in my house yeah totally uh, actually that's not totally true there was one guy in the house for a bit uh, Matt Howard who was the drummer in Harcona and he lived in that house for a bit and he was actually okay. also studying electrical engineering all three of us in that band ended up as electrical engineers they got big boy jobs they ended up working at apple and cisco and places like that i went and made guitar amps but um which was doesn't make sense and in hindsight but um it worked out but uh (laughs) it's funny but uh yeah it was just you know school for me was like i wasn't at all there for the cultural part of it you know i wasn't going to rallies or you know you know, I was like 26 by the time I was at university. So it was like, I was already kind of an old guy on campus, but um, I just loved the pace of it and having this sort of like, you've got two and a half, three months to study this one topic with these teachers and then that's over, wipe the slate clean, start anew. And then, you know, that that pace was really addictive. Once I got into that for a few years, it was like, you know, it it was a bummer to walk away from that actually when I had to go join the real world
0: I really love the answer you provided because, you know, my close friends know that I'm a, a nerd at heart. And I always say, like, I really enjoyed going to school, not per se for kind of like what you had said. I was never a part of any sort of like frats or organizations or anything of that sort. It was more of just like, hey, really enjoy the curriculum. And I just yeah. really enjoy learning. And you, like you had mentioned, I grad, I graduated college i don't don't even remember like i was like 22 or 23 but i love what you had stated because you had stated hey you kind of began this journey as per se an old guy which totally not true but i know what you're saying because i have a lot of friends in similar realm they're like man i'm starting a computer science degree at 27 and i mean there's these kids that are like 17 in there you know that are like light years ahead or whatever but i love hearing that because it's it's all kind of the frame of mind of what you're kind of wanting to accomplish and what you're wanting to do. And of course, there are other harder things to worry about. It's like, oh, geez, I got to worry about like a mortgage payment or worry about something else. I'm going into, you know, college again, or I'm a dad or whatever the case may be. Whereas that sophomore in college is just worried about, hey, what party am I going to attend tonight or whatever? Totally,
1: Yeah, and and it's weird too, because in that realm, especially the computer science realm that you're talking, I had to take a couple of those classes just to do the, electrical engineering degree and um and those kids i mean a lot of those kids they already know this stuff like well, they learned it their dads they were,
0: their parents are probably like already working at like you had said some sort of blue chip big tech company <laughs> they're already or, used or to knowing just, a lot of these words
1: yeah or they're they're just nerdy kids that are interested in it from and like junior yeah. high they've been coding since they were 12 and now they're 18 and they're already like you know, postgraduate <laughs> level. And like they're, they're your TA. And so you're doing this intro to, you know, Java or something like that. And like, <laughs> it's some like 16 year old kid who's just like, what do you mean you don't understand? You know? <laughs> you know they're, they're, and by the way, they oh, were the, yeah. they were the worst. That was when it really clicked to me that like, these fucking nerds are like worse than like the jocks or the like, yeah. Business school kids that we always look at as like bullies. Like these fucking nerds like really are fucking assholes. And they're just as like now they're top dogs and they want to make everybody
0: pay. Well what's kinda scary is even then, like ten years later, these can be the same people out there that are demolishing things for the future and have the same totally. mindset. Like not. Are. Yeah, like it's like, well, I what what is Chris doing here with computer science? You are dumb. <laughs> or whatever the case may be. It's like, "Well, I just need some help here. Hey, what well, this is the whole point of being in the class, right? I mean, I'm paying for it, so let's try and get me to a spot where I feel comfortable and I could hopefully get to whatever aspirations I have on a career level versus somebody just trying to belittle me because, I don't know, I wasn't doing Java when I was 10 years old or something. Yeah, Not that I even know it. I don't know they're anything jerks, about computer they're science.
1: Jerks. Look, look at Bezos. You know, look at look at fucking uh, what's the other guy? The guy that he just became richer, Elon Musk. Musk. These guys I, it drives me crazy. They they, you know, these are the kids that were the underdogs. You know, when they were in high school and junior high, they probably got beat up, they got teased, girls didn't pay any attention to them, and now they're sitting on a pile of half of the world's entire wealth. And what are they doing to solve this shit? You know, like not enough. If you ask me. You know, I don't think Amazon pays taxes. You know, it's like. <laughs> what the fuck are we doing in seattle where they're stationed? you know it's like we've half of the city's overrun with tent cities and like you know it's just a huge fucking disaster and these guys are just it's turning into like you know those pictures you see of big cities in india where the you know two people that own all the money are in the top of these skyscrapers and down below it's the entire rest of the city's broke and poor and living in their yeah own i mean shit. i could bring
0: up documentaries i've i've jeez oh, i've we could talk about this for so long it's it's wild because you know even these individuals were driven to no end and that could definitely be inspirational but what's being done after the fact is like whoa this is like what's going because i was even going to ask you you've been in the northwest for a very long time you've seen it unravel it made me think like, what is Seattle even going to be like in the next 10 years? Are they going to like swap out your eyes for cyborg eyes? I don't even, you know, what's going on?
1: And it's, it's not even just Seattle, you know, it's, it's almost every city in the country for yeah, sure. I mean, It's
0: Austin, Denver, San Fran. I mean, Kansas Kansas city, for sure. go
1: on and on and on. I, I just, it's these fucking nerds, man. Like where, where's your <laughs> empathy? Like you come on, people were fucking, they treated you like shit and now it's somebody else's turn. Like, oh, it drives me nuts you know, and uh, I just, man, like, and I experienced that on on a micro level, just the way these kids dealt with other people in in these classes where they were just zero sympathy for other human beings. They're like, if you don't understand this stuff exactly the same way that I do, then you're inferior. And that's really the way they look down on people. It was just, it was very discouraging (laughs) for humanity. And then you see what's going on now. And it's like, people ask themselves, how can these guys let everybody else just you know, how can they harbor all of that wealth and just and just pinch it and hold it tight and not let everybody else just fucking, you know, suffer? And it's like, well, I can see exactly how they can do that. These guys don't give a fuck about anybody but themselves. They're just as terrible as everybody else. Not more so because they've got an axe to grind. You know, they, it's revenge. It's like, see?
0: I think we're... I'm going to turn this into a, a sports and economic podcast. <laughs> <you know? laughs> but... but um, I'm no, really like just we pissed were... off about
1: the Seahawks losing. That's why I'm so ranty. <laughs> Sorry.
0: No, no, no. I, I I love talking sports and even these topics because we even talked about it previously. It's funny how I'm saying previously, but it kind of gives people insight into kind of what we're talking about. When you first started out with your amp company, Verrell and Amps, there was a lot of societal and financial well financial turmoil. You know, yeah. it was a two thousand eight collapse. And right. I think that's where around that time where you had told me that you finally leased a location, you've got some investors, and it's just like, whoa, what what type of timing is going on right with this right now? And you've seen yeah. it as far as the economy improve in the past decade or so and now it comes to this point. So, it's very it's tough. You know, I could only imagine in being a small business owner and you're not only just even in the app space you run a bar as well. It's kind of come full circle. I was going to ask, hey, when did you know that this could be viably a a sustainable business? And while you see the ups and downs, I'm sure it's always just kind of like having to look over your back wondering what's going to happen next.
1: Are you talking about the amplifier company?
0: I guess I would just say in general. Well, I guess it kind of ties all together because I know that with the amplifier company, you saw a lot of ups and downs when you first started it, especially with two thousand eight.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was kind of where that started, and it was, um, you know, when we started the business, we had stuck a couple amps into stores on consignment, and they sold right away, and which gave the false sense of hope that you know this is really going to take off. So then borrowed a bunch of money, gotten to, you know, some heavy duty rent and whatnot, and then found out that you know either we just miscalculated and or got you know the effects of the 2008 thing and people weren't trying to go out and buy spend money on ants for a bit so either way it was like I found myself in debt to um, friends and you know musician people that had faith in the idea and, and some family for uh, a bunch of money and that lasted that debt hung over my head for about eight nine years and that was really really hard but I mean I guess suppose there's no more better motivation than you can't let everybody down so figure it out you have to figure it out and so you do and then by the time things kind of took a turn and started to get a little momentum and got better it was like every penny was pretty like well spent and you know it was, ran a real tight frugal operation for a long time so I mean like you know that's the silver lining of it is like yeah that sucked and that was really difficult but by the time it was all a go it was like you know I kind of. I knew how to run it on tightest of tightest of uh, budgets and then so it kind of helped you know sharpen sharpen the, the toolkit a little bit.
0: And even now I always kind of wonder obviously living through a pandemic there are going to be tougher situations especially with running a restaurant, a bar. But when things are firing at all cylinders how how many hours do you sleep because you're a touring musician? You build amps, you run a bar. How does it all work?
1: Um, just um, all those things are involved with a bunch of other people who also work hard, and you know it all gets spread around. I mean, at this point, the amp business is pretty much whittled down just me for really everything at this point. But um, you know, I used to have a, a business partner who was a carpenter, and then when we parted ways, I hired carpenters and I hired somebody to do spray lacquer. And I hired somebody to help me build circuits and I hired somebody to help me market and blah, blah, blah. And now I don't pay anybody to do any of that stuff. I don't do as much amps as I was. I mean, originally I was trying to expand the thing to where it was going to be, um, you know, try and grow it to the point where it's a, a big operation. So lots of amps and distributed to a bunch of stores and yada, yada. But, Try to streamline kind
0: of, the process a little bit more, even though obviously your amps are catered to being extremely customizable and boutique. Well, I was trying know, right? to get
1: away from that, that was the whole thing. As yeah. I was trying to yeah. get into just amps ABC and crank them out of stores
0: exactly. And, yeah, and but, you had kind of mentioned that's not really how it, it's ever worked, n- you no, know.
1: No, no, and it was uh, and it was a, a, as soon as I realized that if I didn't pay all these people and I didn't have these other overhead things, and I really whittled it down to just just me doing everything. I didn't need to sell 10 amps a, a month. I could sell three amps a month, you know? And then I could do everything myself and I know where every, every stupid screwdriver is in my shop and I know the status of every box and everything else. And so it, it ended up being a smaller operation, but a leaner operation. And then um, and I could kind of just uh, handle it all myself and it, it works, you know, it became sort of a functional hobby in some way that makes a little bit of money, but really it's just something I enjoy doing. The bar is, um, you know, all the people that work there kind of run that ship along with me. And so I've got a lot of good help there. And the bands, of course, like, you know, I'm great bandmates and everybody works. And, you know, it's just a, it's still, the band has been kept to being just the enjoyable thing. You know, it's like, it has never been stressed about making that into some kind of functional, uh, sort of a money-making endeavor it's just really been the the escape mechanism you know the place to go to get away from stress really
0: well i think you've kind of even mentioned a very key ingredient is surrounding yourself with just wonderful people you know especially in the the operations that you're in whether it's the band or the bar business because Uh that could definitely be the catastrophic emotions and feelings of what's currently occurring with the pandemic much less everything financially could be exacerbated and just multiplied so much more if you're dealing with like oh god i'm dealing with a jerk here or whatever oh
1: is, yeah you know? that would that would ruin it Abso- i mean yeah because it's hard enough even if it if, even if you are working with great people it's hard and so if you're just stressing out and dealing with jerks then that just what are you even doing at that point you might as well just go get a job at starbucks or whatever and like you know just Because, you know, running a business is not for sane people. It's not, you know what I mean? It's like (laughs) it it works when it works. And when it doesn't, it it can really be hard, hard, hard work. And so it's like you better enjoy the time spent stressing out to some degree. You know, you better be around other people that make it not feel like uh, too painful. It It better be kind of enjoyable in some way because... You know, it's funny, especially in the band, you know, we talk about it where it's like if you try to explain to anybody what it's really like to be, say, like a touring musician and like the hours spent driving and loading in and loading out and playing and they tell you much, how much money you get paid and like and do crunch all the numbers and it's like you're getting paid three bucks an hour, you know, <laughs> it's, even if you're like getting paid okay, it's still it doesn't make sense and anybody else's. You know, so you better. Like, you can't explain to them like no, but the fart jokes. It's funny. It's fun. You know, we're on tour and there's camaraderie and we like, you know, do adventury stuff and whatever. And it's just, it's really a. It's most people will be like, wow, that doesn't make any sense. That's insane. But because if you're doing it with people that crack you up, then it's it's precious and then you enjoy it and and it would some you know money becomes clearly not the thing.
0: And another admirable thing that. I truly love is that with your band, Helm you've had the same bandmates since the inception of the band with Dana and Hosoji.
1: Yeah. So totally.
0: That just kind of, you know, it's proven the test of time. You know, imagine having to go through band breakups right now, or I don't even know. It's like, well, we're not even playing. We need to figure out what we're gonna do here. Who knows? There could be even disagreements. And of course, disagreements can be healthy, but it's just like hey, you've got a good formula going, especially since you've had the same bandmates since the very beginning.
1: Yeah, and it wouldn't work any other way. I think it's, you know, it's a pretty, especially, you know, we weren't weren't kids when we started that band. We'd all been in touring bands from our teen years up through our 20s. And by the time we started doing Helmsley, we were kind of upwards and getting towards 30. And um, it's one of those things where it's been big years since then. You know, a lot of like, you know, Big life changes and whatnot, and at this point, you just kind of figure like, it's, "That's it's going to be us," you know. This is this is what it is, and um, yeah, and it is a it is kind of a, a friendships first kind of band, which uh,
0: I love hearing that.
1: It is yeah, but it's I I kind of feel like I got to be careful when I say that because it sounds like it could be. Heard is like, oh, bullshit. Everybody says that shit. It's not true. <laughs> you know, like, we get along great, and we, you know, we scrap for sure, like, like families do. Um,
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: But it's not scrapping over money, and it's not scrapping over bullshit. It's, like, because there's never been money, and there's never been, like, you know, there's never been much to, like, you know, resources to, like, fight over. <laughs> it's just, like, you know, it's just, it's, it's for... Um, You know, I guess when I think about it, it's like, as we're getting older, and a lot of people, when they get to a certain age, it's kind of like the groups of friends become less of a critical thing, and people don't, they sort of pair off and go off with their lives. Maybe they have kids and start a family, and they don't feel like they need their friend circle as much as they did when they were younger, or or they're just kind of over it or whatever. But I feel like having um, just tight friendships um, with, dana and Hosey and, and a bunch of other handful of buddies who are aging into our weirdness comfortably and <laughs> sort of on the same track in some way it's like it's it's precious you know it's a um
0: i love I don't know if it's a generational that. thing
1: yeah. or something maybe it is a generational thing but i feel like there's people my age that are doing the pair off and you know go go their own ways and disappear into the suburbs or whatever but um i think that we're um We're sort of determined to keep it, keep it friends.
0: I love hearing all of that and I'm going to switch it up here and I know that you already know what's coming because it already happened in our previous conversation, but we got to know you a little bit more here on the personal side, but now it's time to get weird. I know (laughs) that they can kind of sound frightening, but I've concocted some random questions from seeing you perform multiple times live, being a fan. We've already gotten to know each other a little better from our previous conversation and, you know, just some general research on you. Are you ready? Okay. okay. Got it. So, top food of 2020, you told me, was kind of like a hot pot soup that you oh, yeah. typically yeah. frequent in your neighborhood. What was yep. the top beverage of 2020?
1: Coffee. Always coffee. Every year.
0: Coffee. <laughs> Is it just straight black?
1: Um, Typically, it's Americano, a uh, little cream. I used to do the shot in the dark thing for years, but then I'd burn myself. I found myself drinking like a quarter of it and I just <laughs> couldn't get through it. And so I was like, better, you know, step it down. So now I'm an Americano guy.
0: Okay. Got it. Yeah. I, I just drink black coffee. Kind of like how, I don't know if you're a twin peaks fan, um, <laughs> agent Dale Cooper, you know, just diner coffee. Cu- yeah. There you go. Damn fine cup of coffee and it could be anywhere really, but I enjoy a nice cup of black coffee, but Kind yeah. of going off of 2020. Wait, wait into- before you
1: move on from that, I got to say, I just, little anecdote on, on the coffee tip. Sure. I feel, I'm very spoiled because <laughs> Dana James, she, she's evolved into, um, amongst several jobs and things she does with her life. She's manager of a coffee shop in, in Fremont neighborhood in Seattle, okay. right down the street from where my shop is, and where the bar is. And she, um, it's a place called Fremont coffee and she's the manager there. But, even going back before she ever worked there, that's been my spot, and they've been good friends, and I get hooked that's up. That's awesome. There. And their coffee is great, so I'm just like, it's this like constant IV drip sort of relationship <laughs> with stumbling down the street and getting hooked up with really good, Fremont coffee. So
0: next time I'm up in Seattle, um, I will definitely frequent. Hey, I might swing by the shop and say hi. And that's the you, spot. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Absolutely. Here, going into 2021. We kind (laughs) of talked about New Year's resolutions. How do you feel going into 2021? I know that the world is up in flames and there's a lot of chaos going on. But, you know, personally speaking, from deep down in your heart, you know, certain things you want to accomplish or anything in particular?
1: I think for me, with with all that stuff or with any hard times, I I kind of always lean on the same thing and it's work. I just uh, I just got to be I got to be moving. I got to keep my hands going With something and um you know there's no shortage of projects right now the bar is working on a new addition some new rooms down below an additional bar and uh, so that's an enjoyable construction project that's in the works and bar house is kind of full of these kind of weird um arduino powered kind of gadgets and levers and pulleys and sound effects and things so like there's a kind of infinite amount of Disneylandy work to do with all that stuff.
0: I really want to go. I've always wanted to go, and obviously when everything clears up, or who knows yeah. when that's even yeah. going to be. But you know, totally. It. I can't wait. You know, because when I the last time I was up in Seattle, I can't believe I forgot the exact areas I was in. Ballard was one. Mm-hmm. And one that starts with a W. I can't believe I forgot Wallingford. The name of it. Maybe there you go. Yeah, oh, I was in that mm-hmm. area too. I had a wonderful time but next time I'm definitely gonna go out there so you could put me in a headlock and be like why (laughs) you gave you Chris why did you put me through this with all this computer stuff here you know know because I put myself
1: through the same bullshit all the time too so you're yeah I always
0: I always wonder it's kind of like honestly after what happened with with me on that podcast I was like I was kind of just like crushed about it. Was like, well, life goes on. But have you ever had something like that? I'm not saying like, oh, you gave an amp to Billy Gibbons or Lenny Kravitz and they played the Super Bowl and it just blew up or something. But I'm guessing you've maybe made some built some amps and just like, this did not go the exact way I wanted. And it's just totally. kind of having to troubleshoot from step one. I think that's just part of the work.
1: Yeah, and I mean, and I don't have any problem with troubleshooting and fixing things. My beef with computers is that this is not a problem that can be tinkered out. It's not something a black box you can open up to get in and figure out what's what, who the fuck knows what's going on here. You're not meant to understand. You're not meant to be able to like, I mean, it's just every single component of, uh, say like, uh, an internet browser working with this individual app with this individual machine and all the related apps. And well, what's your, you know, what kind of internet? It's just, each one of those things is somebody had an idea for how it should all work, and those are all different people with their own way of their right is their left, and their left is their right, and it's just, it's just, it's a mess. It's just, and we
0: can't take it apart. It's not like an amp where it's like, oh, I'm gotta take out the no. capacitors, I gotta take out the sockets here, we gotta do whatever you gotta do. I mean, you obviously know it five thousand times more than I did. I remember I built a reverb pedal. I think I was talking with Ryan from Fuzz about this. Mm-hmm. And when yeah. I built that reverb pedal, I bought some sort of kit. I built it and it wasn't working. But I switched like the wiring on the polarity or whatever. And it finally worked. And it honestly felt like the best thing that ever happened to me. I was like, wow, this feels better than the college degree that I got. Totally. I you learn you know,
1: something, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally.
0: It felt amazing because otherwise I was just going to throw it across oh, you yeah. know my street or throw it out the window or I was just going to keep it as some sort of I don't know, book rest or something, but it felt amazing when that happened.
1: Yeah, it's so it's so uh, it's an addictive feeling, and that's that's the slippery slope of building and designing and that sort of thing. Because it really is a good feeling when you bang your head against something for long enough and you actually get somewhere with it. Computers, however, you can bang your head for eternity and you'll never get close to cracking the puzzle. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never get it. You see, just somebody who knows. Will come along and fonzie it, and then it'll fucking work. And you'll just be like, "That's stupid."
0: Well, you obviously <laughs> it's not
1: just it's not like satisfying or educational. <laughs> it's just no.
0: stupid. Well, you obviously live in the mecca, in the city where plenty of tech is occurring in Seattle. And we kind of talked about it earlier, like what is Seattle going to perhaps be in ten years? But obviously, many other yeah. cities are in the same boat. But do you miss what Seattle was? like 10 years ago?
1: Yeah, I mean, totally. And I I don't even, I kind of wonder, it's sort of been one of the potential silver linings of this pandemic that, um, you know, as soon as people didn't need to live down here to go to work in their offices, they could all work from home, all these people who have stupid computer jobs, um, they didn't need to be here. And a lot of them went back to wherever they came from. And so you've got this sort of mass exodus of the sort of wealthy tech class who are wholly responsible for coming in and displacing all of the artists, all of the working class people that, you know, scrub the toilets and make the soup and fucking, you know, do all the, you know, serve the booze and everything else. Like all those people, a lot of them have moved out towards Tacoma or up to Everett or, um, you know, and trying to like, and they're, they're busting it in to, do their city work, and as people are bailing on town, I'm just hoping that you know there's there's talk about how is downtown ever going to return? When are people ever going to want to come back to fill, refill up all those uh, skyscrapers downtown? And I'm my hope is that maybe we'll get a little bit of that old Seattle small town, small big city um, vibe. Yeah, it'd be cool. It'd be cool if you know if those people just fucked off and worked from home, you know wherever the hell. They want to be. And, you know, Seattle's yeah. it's a beautiful place, you know, mountains and all, water and all that stuff. But do people really want to just live like Jetson's life, you know, like all these, you know, these young, wealthy, sort of aloof people? And I'm, and I'm not trying to say everybody's like that. I and mean, of course, I mean, no, of I course went, not. I went to engineering school. I'm, I'm you know, and somebody wanted to put us all in one box. I suppose I'd be one of them. But, um, I just, there's definitely a problem, and it's tangible, and everybody can see it and feel it, unless they're one of these aloof people. (laughs) So um, if they took their super brains and their super egos and moved out to wherever the hell and just phoned it in, I think it'd be great. It'd be great if we got some of our gritty, dingy sort of haven for subculture that kind of put Seattle on the map for in the world of art and all that, and music and stuff.
0: What did you want to become when you were a kid?
1: Michael Jackson, I think. Um, <laughs> I remember I got Thriller from the library and was like super obsessed with Thriller. And I would just, every time I went to the library, i run a Thriller and obsess over it.
0: Did you ever try to dress like Thriller style? Not the zombies, but I guess just kind of like pop style? Um,
1: Not really. I don't remember being too into that. I mean, by the time... You know, I was like having anything to say about the clothes I don't I was know wearing. why I said what,
0: zombies like wolves or I forgot. Yeah, like, I yeah totally.
1: I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the funk of forty thousand years or whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was um, I don't know. I was I think like I remember having MC hammer pants, stuff like that. Um yeah, I think
0: I'm you know. gonna bring that look back.
1: Totally. Yeah, it's time. Get the world's ready. <laughs> Coming back around. Well,
0: I actually, I had a a question here pertaining to to football. It isn't Seahawks specific per se, but let's say Pete Carroll, the head coach. I don't know if he's going to be the future head coach. Who knows what's going to happen? But if he said, hey, Ben, we need you out there on the field right now, what position would you play?
1: I want to be a tight end that gets to beat people up and catch the ball. That's what I want to be.
0: Okay. And if you were actually going to go on the field, do you think that would be the the position you would excel at the most right now
1: um i i think i my only skill would be to be the guy that plays catch honestly but um if i had skills like that i think that would be the funnest thing to play because you get to score touchdowns but you also get to like beat people up at the line of scrimmage that'd probably be fun
0: well i was about to say like hey maybe we'll see that one day but no i mean who knows maybe when i grow up when i grow up that's that's yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but interesting o- enough you at one point actually built an amp for Paul Allen passed away, but was owner of the Seahawks co-founder of Microsoft and so much more. What was that even like? You had it go to 12 and I had to previously research that, which is in relations to the 12th man, 12th man being the fans. But uh, what was that like? It's crazy.
1: It was crazy because, um, so, Seattle Times randomly did a piece about the company Amp Company. He saw it, and he sent his engineer guy to come down and talk to me about it. Turned out, I know that dude. He was uh, <laughs> the dude Eric Corson. He was in that band The Long Winters, and uh,
0: which is actually, if you've Small been following wa-
1: Twitter, his the singer of that band is Bean Dad. Have you been following this? Are you familiar with the Bean Dad controversy?
0: beam dad i've mean
1: dad is this dad the, the singer from that band the long winters deprived his nine-year-old daughter of um telling her how to use a can opener and tortured her for like six hours
0: she uh, finally got no. the can
1: opener and the the internet has gone crazy about Beam dad is this but like anyway. something
0: recent i have never <laughs> yeah, even heard of this before. yeah like
1: like three or four days ago i think or something
0: okay i guess yeah. i'm gonna have to check it out but no no idea um yeah
1: being dead anyway so his bandmate eric he was the guy working for paul allen as his recording engineer he came down to the shop and was like hey what's up ben and he's like yeah so paul allen's interested in your amps wants to know about them and we hatched the (laughs) idea of building this seahawks themed amp because i explained to him how much of a nut i am about the seahawks and then um, he was just like let's just build this amp and then when they're going they're going to the super bowl in two weeks can you build it in two weeks and i was like yes absolutely we'll do it (laughs) and um and so we jammed this thing out this crazy custom seahawks amp this glowing eye foot switch channel puts it into beast mode The eye turns red you know this whole thing and Um, it was
0: branded you know with an actual like with the um, on on the actual what would be considered the face plate the front of the amp Yeah, yeah that was awesome
1: yep totally and then um So they took the amp down to Arizona where the Seahawks were going to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl and gloriously at the after party, Paul Allen would be presented with his surprise gift. And, uh, that didn't happen because Russell Wilson got picked off at the one yard line and lost the game. Uh, but, um, yeah, it was wild. It was crazy because the thing is I posted about it when it was done online, not knowing it was supposed to be a surprise. And I was like, look at this cool thing that I made for Paul Allen, whatever. And the story got picked up; it went viral and got picked up by GeekWire. Did a piece on it, and uh, like the next week, I think the New York Times did an interview with Paul Allen about the Seahawks and et cetera, et cetera. And they brought up the amp, and he was like, "What?" He didn't know what was going on, <laughs> and and so as soon as that all went crazy, you know, I started getting these phone calls from Vulcan, which is Paul Allen's company that sort of handled his affairs and they were like who leaked the story and I was like I did I didn't know it was a secret and they said don't say anything to anybody about this we're sending you a non-disclosure agreement sign it immediately and send it back to us and just like that all these stories up and vanished disappeared wiped off the the world
0: wow he just keeps
1: really tight control over his um you Know what's said about him and all that. That so is it's, wild.
0: It's, it, it's almost like he probably had a person of that stature, probably has like an employee just Googling his name every five oh, seconds yeah. and try to give him like a briefing at the end of the day. Like, hey, um, you popped up here in Bangalore, uh, India. Like, yeah. they said something about you, or like, whoa. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They keep it tight. I mean, I think you imagine there's probably a lot of people trying to work all kinds of weird angles when you're in control that much wealth, I guess. I, but um, yeah, pretty, pretty freaky to have to feel that amount of power swoop in and you know tell you to shut up
0: hopefully he enjoyed the amp i mean you know it's not like you got electrocuted by it or something no apparently (laughs)
1: apparently he loved it and he used it a lot in his recording studio and um the next year eric um invited me to go watch a seahawks game at CenturyLink in the owner's box so i watched this crazy football game in the owner's box with Paul Allen right there and I got introduced to him and he liked my widow's t-shirt and (laughs) there was John Schneider, the GM in the corner of the owner's box and you know, they had fancy Mexican food at halftime and all the free beer you could drink. And it was pretty wild. Not so fun though. It was like a carpeted office and there were TVs where you could watch the screen and see the game, but it was very quiet there, you know?
0: I could imagine him kind of like pushing a folder across the table and saying, Hey, we want to make Varela Amps public. Can you please sign <laughs> here? You know, <laughs> <laughs> totally. <Yeah.
1: laughs> no, he he was uh, he looked very stressed about maybe the football game. I don't know, but it was kind of a kind of an intense guy, but still cool to meet him.
0: We're going to get into some random fan questions here. Some of them you'll remember, and I'm kind of spicing them up a little bit here, but Peter out of LA, he asked, what's the frequency of the Nar?" I think you were like, huh, what is that exactly? Or what's going on here? But what's your favorite <laughs> frequency? I know that you like your amps to be loud and bassy and clean, but is there any sort of favorite fre- frequency that you have
1: <laughs> no <laughs> a favorite <laughs> frequency i mean yeah i don't know i mean uh no i, I mean i don't even know how to answer that <laughs> it just depends you know Depends what you're talking about hey um, well
0: kind of to piggyback off this one riley of <laughs> eugene oregon asked, what characteristics of a guitar amp make it a good candidate for a bass like what should someone be looking for
1: um, well, I think, you know, that's pretty subjective, but really, um, if it's trying to amplify bass and you want the bass to sound like a bass, meaning, like, carries the low frequencies well, typically to, to, to make low frequencies travel and, and all that, you need, uh, you need power, you need watts. watts. Um, low frequencies need more energy to push them, so that's hence why you end up with a bass amp that is 300 watts to keep up with a guitar amp that's 100 watts. It's kind of a common sort of in like loud rock band um, world. But, um, you know, you also want it to, you might want it to be real clean. That's a common thing for most bass amps is that they're very loud and very clean. But in my case, I like them have to some have... some overhead. Yeah, but I also like them to be able to get crunchy and uh, and thicken up and saturate and compress. And so it just it just depends on what you're trying to do.
0: I love that because as gearheads, I know that we were kind of talking about the meat smoke and then I own like a Mesa Boogie 400 plus, mm-hmm, And yeah. obviously like Ampeg SVTs, you know, these are amps that run at high wattages. So definitely being able to have a clean sound when needed, but obviously still be able to get insanely gritty whenever you need to.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. That's, that's my style with it. And I know, you know, a lot of bass amps, They really don't have a lot of high, high treble, but I like the ability to have a little more um, in there just to get more detail out of things and then, you know, rein it in as needed. But sometimes when I plug into like a just, you know, something that's really designed to be just a straight up bass amp, I find myself thinking like, man, that's kind of a pillow on the top of this.
0: Let's say this isn't a random one. I'm kind of creating one right here. If you were reincarnated into an amp. Which one would you be? Would it be like one of yours, or who knows? Maybe you'd be a combo amp, or or who knows? Well, what would you be I mean, reincarnated I guess,
1: into? If, if I had anything to do with the amp, I mean, this I'd probably have to lean on one of the amps that I've made. You know, something that I decided I liked a lot, and you know, tailored to the the way I want it to be. So, like, yeah, I mean, probably something that can kind of be sort of versatile. Like the way I, I feel like that meat smoke is kind of that way, where it's. It can be really loud and really clean and really low, but it can also be, you know, you can always turn the thing down. You can always make it crunchy or you can introduce more trouble into it if you need to. I don't know. I don't know. What it has to, I don't know what that has to do with me. I just, that's what, I, <laughs> that's, 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 what that's what I like anyway. I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, an anonymous fan here asks, how do you keep your locks so shiny? And at the same point here, a mutual friend of ours, Luis Mota, asks, what product do you use in your hair? I know you have some <laughs> conditioner, but hey, anybody out there that wants to keep their locks in good condition? Any any tips?
1: No. <laughs> I don't know. No. In fact, <laughs> maybe they got some tips. I don't know. Yeah. Tell yeah, me what I'm doing I... wrong. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's funny because I was like, oh, well, I, I recently cut all my long hair off. I would have been like, okay, well, maybe there's a, a tip that I could potentially <laughs> use here. But um, a friend of mine, and funny enough, he was the last guest on my show, and someone that you've toured with, well, he was in Earth, Tristan Jemsic of Dog Breath. He asks, what's your favorite Talk Talk Mark Hollis album? We kind of talked about it a little bit, but <laughs> even more so, if you think that there would be any sort of like surprising influences that your fans wouldn't necessarily think like wow ben really likes them
1: yeah i mean those two weird talk talk records are so good um and the mark hollis stuff is also really good yeah just trippy like real experimental stuff where they're just like it's almost like they're just noodling but somehow they end up being songs super cool Yeah, I don't know if I have a favorite amongst all that. Uh, Probably that, is it Spirit of Eden is one of those records? Yes, we were talking
0: about Spirit. I remember that day before I had interviewed you, I was listening to Spirit of Eden, Color of Spring. Yeah, I mean, great albums.
1: Totally. Yeah, um, and like super well-recorded and like really just like pleasant sounding. I don't know. Yeah, they're, they're super good.
0: Well, here's one. William out of San Francisco asks, how did you exactly get the band name Helms A. And I know that nautical terms are usually pretty common in the band's theme, but was there a specific moment where it was like, hey, that has to be the name? Like, was there even a second option before deciding Helms A.
1: No, I think we, we all kind of didn't even like it that much. It was just like, we got to figure this out and be done with it. Um, yeah, I just... I had a book of nautical terminology just because I have this crappy sailboat that, um, you know, people get rid of sailboats like pianos, you know, it's like you can get them pretty cheap. So I've had this kind of crappy sailboat for a while. So somebody got me this book of nautical terms so I could learn what I'm talking about, what I'm doing. So we kind of like, you know, there's all this awesome nautical terminology. We're like, let's just fish through there and find something. And that was the one that stuck.
0: Yeah, I like how you mentioned that you own a sailboat because in the last interview that we did that is only captured in my mind and my heart. I asked, <laughs> would you ever join the deadliest catch? And you pretty much said, Hell no. No uh,
1: way. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy.
0: So yeah, we were kind of talking about that and um yeah, any cool sailboat names? I, I don't know I don't know if you want to disclose yours for the sake of privacy or whatever, but did you just like randomly pick one or something?
1: You can't. You can't change a boat's name. It's bad luck. Um, and oh, so my okay. my boat wasn't new. Um, the boat is named Charlie and I found out that it's named after its original owner, a woman named Charlie. Okay. Which is pretty fucking weird. I don't know. If people <laughs> typically name their boat after themselves. But uh, <laughs> I um, didn't even know you
0: could change the name of a boat. Okay. Um, it's
1: bad it's bad luck yeah to do to do. If you if you change the boat's name it's supposed to
0: Bad So, I mean, um. my dad—he's changed the name of his boat four times. No, I'm just oh, kidding. Man. I'm kidding. I know he doesn't. <laughs> I'm kidding. I just made maybe, that up.
1: <laughs> if you do it an even number of times, maybe it <laughs> undoes itself. I don't know.
0: No, no, it's just funny. I don't. I don't know anyone that really owns any sort of type of boat. But that's good to know. I um don't live anywhere near having a boat. <laughs> we, we we're talking. I live out here in Phoenix, so I mean, <laughs> I I mean, I guess a man-made lake or something. And we kind of. Wow, it, it kind of ties me back when we were talking about the Southwest and chili and and hot sauce. We were talking about so many things with the Southwest, but um, hey, I'm not going to rename a boat, promise. Because I don't, yeah, don't do it. Like, what will will the boat sink? Or I'm guessing just some bad bad stuff is probably. Gonna I only
1: want to know. Yeah, it's just it's you know I think sailors are apparently pretty um, what's the word uh when they're they think superstitious. There you go. superstitious. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. Definitely not going to do it. But um, I know that the pandemic has put many things in a state of disarray. But fans such as Daryl Zero from Iowa City wants to know when the next Helms A. joint is dropping. I know you had kind of mentioned, you know, certain specifics last time and uh, definitely not going to make you do that here. But any anything, uh, you know, hopefully coming out at the end of the year, mid year, anything like that?
1: I don't know anything about coming out or you know actual plans for you know manufacture and whatnot, but uh, we've been working on recording a new record and um, we're pretty far along with it. So um, exciting,
0: exciting! Yeah, I can't wait we're, to hear it. Um, about it. I know that you're mainly dealing with Helms lately. I know that you also have constant lovers. Mm-hmm. Um, anything you know in the foreseeable future? I again, I know the pandemic's kind of thrown a wrench in the works but it, i'm assuming Helmsley is where you're putting the majority of your songwriting and actual how can i say it uh audible you know music creating energy into
1: yeah and i think it's just because me and hosie and dana all happen to be kind of in situations where we're able to kind of dedicate to each other as like our pod you know our kind of safe group and um Constant Lovers is a little bit harder because um, some of the guys have families and they have older family members living with them. And so it's uh, we haven't been able to get together this entire time all but once. Um, so it's been quieter on that front. But I know we're all rearing to get back at it as soon as it's safe to do so.
0: Yeah, I I love it. You know, I mean, all the bands that you've ever been in, huge fan. And I just can't oh, wait man. for whatever output, you know. I guess I wasn't trying to make that a joke with the amps output, whatever, you know, (laughs) whatever you put put out there, I can't wait to hear it. And I mean, this one here, I kind of asked last time and it doubles up on the meaning. Rowan from Seattle asks, how are you so freaking nice? And I'm like, well, hey, he did a podcast episode with me again after all the craziness in the world and the computers and everything. But I guess the question there is, I don't even know how to go about asking, like, how are you so freaking nice? Because I, I find myself to be a pretty pleasant and nice person. But, I mean, would you say that you attribute that to anything particular growing up or just in general energy? I don't know. I don't even know what I'm asking here. But a, I, a I friend fan f- asked it, you know?
1: Okay. I I would say anybody who maybe – I feel like if you listen to this, I, I feel like I sound pretty grouchy, to be honest. <laughs> I, I, I feel grouchy. I know I'm just pissed off about football and – pissed off about insane people in this country
0: the world just yeah you the know, world everything's happening
1: nuts I'm, I'm pissed off that they think it's going to take a fucking year to get this country vaccinated to the point where we can get people out and living a normal life i'm you know i feel i feel re- generally pretty pissed off and i just think that uh i am lucky that um i've been able to yell at people for fun and like play loud music <laughs> and scream. And I think that just is a little bit therapeutic. Um, you know, it's, it's been hard to not have that really, as far as performance the last year. It's probably why I feel so grouchy right now as well. But um, yeah, I mean, that's probably it. I feel like that's, if anything, that's probably the thing that has been a helpful tool to cope with Everything, really. I, I think I'd be a wreck without music altogether. Right now, it feels, um, you know, just getting to play with the buddies, the practice space, and write music is is helpful. But man, I, I can't wait to get up and yell at somebody.
0: Nope. <laughs> I can't wait for you to yell at me. You know, and even <laughs> if you yelled at me on the podcast episode, I'd be it, like, it's yelling, well warranted. You.
1: We'll say that. Can't wait till get up and yell <laughs> with people.
0: <laughs> no yeah i can't because i've seen you plenty of times whether it's out here in phoenix at in el paso plenty of times i know we had kind of mentioned uh, i think the first time i spoke with you or had any sort of like words was you guys were opening up for the melvins i remember oh, yeah. talking about amps and great great time and you know th- those are typically the moments where i'm like oh that was so cool you know being able to talk with a musician even kind of even being able to have a conversation like this, where you give me the opportunity. And I've spoken with as far as other, I guess, well-known musicians, but it's just, it's so cool to just be like, Hey, this is just a fellow fan, fellow human, and just have a good time, you know? Um, So, Hey, I love it. And (laughs) continue being nice. And I can't wait till fans yell with you and you yell at fans and all that good stuff when it happens live. But Hey, Ben, well, thank you so much for that. And, Again, I just have, want to say thanks. I know we talked about your personal life, music, We got some random questions in here. We talked about disdain for computers, which hopefully once we finish this right here, I'll actually <laughs> be able to hear it. Again, Ben, just want to say thank you for taking time and speaking with me.
1: Yeah, no problem. And uh, sorry to be a part of a, a headache and getting through the process of of doing the computer stuff, but hopefully, hopefully it gives you an easier time this time around.
0: No headache at all. And again, can't wait to see you rock out live. Can't wait to own one of your amps. And hey, when I'm in the Seattle area, hopefully we can have a cup of coffee or, you know, you could take me on sailboat or something.
1: Sounds good. Sounds good. I love that. I love taking people out of towners out.
0: <laughs> Appreciate it, Ben. Well, again, thanks so much for everything. And hey, talk to you soon. Okay. Sounds good. There's my interview with Ben. I had a great time, and I hope you all did too. I learned to not rename a boat if I buy one used that already has a name. We talked about his time completing his electrical engineering degree. We talked sports, which seems to be a pretty constant running theme in my episodes, but this time it was football instead of basketball. We talked about some of the frustrations that are happening in the world, about running a business when right now, It's a tough time for certain businesses and industries to much less thrive, but simply stay alive. We talked about some real life stuff. Ben is such an incredible individual, and I have to thank him for being a great guest and a good sport. (laughs) Haha. Bad joke, since we talked about sports for a good while. As always, thanks for tuning in. You can go to interviewswithchris.com for any previous material or go on any major platform where you can hear a podcast. If you like what you're hearing, then subscribe and give some positive feedback. Spread the word. Tell a friend, a family member, a coworker. Heck, maybe some delusional investor will catch wind of this show. Again, I appreciate you all. Thanks again, everybody, and I'll see you next time.